Hey guys, Diane Canada here. Welcome to Diane Canada Live. So glad to see you guys on this Monday. It is the first day of February. Thank you very much. And we've got snow here in Nashville today. Um, I would definitely encourage you guys. We've got folks watching from all over the web today. So please plug in a comment because all of them are going to filter in here to me and I'll be able to interact with you guys throughout the program. Today, um, got a really important show for you guys. I'm going to be talking today about how we are not a democracy in America. I hear people say that a lot. They say, you know, that they think that we have a democratic government and we don't. And I'm going to be diving into that today to help explain it to you guys. But before I do that, I just want to lay a little foundation. You know, um, before I came into politics, I thought that I had a pretty good understanding of how government worked. You know, I thought I had a pretty good idea of, you know, Congress and, you know, the state level and the U.S. level and all of that. And I realized on the campaign trail that <laughs> I had a lot of pieces missing. And as I was talking with people out there, I found out that I wasn't alone. There are a lot of us that really um, have a, a, a pretty minimal understanding of how politics works. And there's no shame in it. You know, I had um, before God kind of called me into this role, I would pay attention to the presidential elections maybe, but I really didn't, um, I really didn't pay that much attention to local politics or understand how the state politics worked. So if that's you today, I'm hoping that this is going to be a big help in, um, in you kind of, you know, maybe getting a little bit more armed and prepared to, uh, to be able to field questions. It's a very polarized world. We've been talking about that all along. And we want to be able to speak intelligently about our government when we're in these debates with our friends and our families, our neighbors. You know, how are we going to, you know, make sure that our Constitution is protected if we don't even understand, <laughs> you know, what's in it um, or how our government is structured? So that's my goal today to kind of break it down. And I'm one of these people. I'm very practical. You know, I like to have things uh, broken, you know, very complex ideas and complex topics broken down into bite sized pieces so that I can understand it quickly, assimilate it quickly and then be able to talk it off, you know, talk about it, you know, intelligently, like I said, with other people. So um, we're not going to be going into real deep rabbit holes here with politics. I'm just going to be giving you some basic talking points that you can use out there in the world. Okay. So I want to start off first with this reinforced idea that we are not a democracy and kind of, again, dive into that. So let's decode it. Let's decode it for just a minute. Now, because some states are bigger than other states, we can't have a popular, a, a popular vote. Um, in America, what we do is we take we take every state and we assign a certain number of senators for that state to go and represent us in the U.S. Congress. And then we have um, our what we call our state assembly, which is kind of like our state level Congress. So kind of walking through some of these term terminologies first, let's address that first. So when we're talking about the U.S. Congress, that's the one that we all know and love in Washington. That's the one that's been in the news heavily. And then it, through this election process, you've seen how everything kind of been, has been coming back to the state level. So in a democracy, what would normally happen is if you have, you know, 500 people who vote yes for something and 499 people who vote no for something, then obviously the 500 would win. 
But when we've got certain states that are larger than other states, and it's not even so much about being larger, but sometimes the density of states, then it wouldn't be fair in Congress, as we have representatives from each of those states, wouldn't be fair um, in the election process. So let me just kind of show you guys what I'm what I'm talking about here. Now, when we're looking at the um, the density, I just want to bring this up and show you. So bear with me here just a second. All right. So this is the density of America. And this is a pretty recent map. You can see how like when we're looking up there around the Montana area and Wyoming and a lot of these areas, they're they're large states, but they don't have a lot of population in those states. In other words, they're not very dense. Uh, but when we look at California and we look over here at New York and we look down here at Florida, you can see the density is incredible. So although the state might be smaller, there's a lot more people living there, which is why it would give an unfair advantage. OK, and this is why we have what's called a republic instead. So we have representatives that go to the U.S. Congress from each of our states that represent our voices there. Now, I want to show you guys the electoral. I'm going to get into the electoral here in just a couple of minutes, but I, I do want to show you this first. So when we're looking at the congressional map, OK, you can see how these larger states where I have them circled they have higher numbers attached to them. So like out here in California, they've got the number 55 there or down there in Texas, looks like they've got number 38. What that means is that when we go to have elections and I'm talking about the presidential election here, this is how many what we call electoral votes come from these states. So we have electors and when they get to Congress, basically what they do is they, um, take the majority vote from every state. So let's say we've got California, typically it's majority Democrat. Well, then those electors are going to basically go with the majority rule for their state, but then they submit their electoral votes. And this is why those numbers have to get to 270 on a presidential election in order for a president to be elected. We've got to have so many actually elected electors from that state or appointed electors from that state to actually kind of carry the vote for the general public in their state. Okay. But we have representatives that come to Congress to serve. So we have senators and we have state representatives that come and serve, you know, specific terms in the U S Congress, a Senator, we get two senators from every state that comes and serves in the U S Senate and they typically serve six year terms. OK, and, and they kind of roll on this sort of staggered reelection schedule. So that's why every few years a different set of senators is up for reelection. They're not all running at the same time. It's kind of staggered. OK, and in the Republic, in the um, House of Representatives, it's similar, but they the difference is like in a senator position, they're representing the entire state that they come from, whereas the representatives individual represent individual districts that they come from. Okay. And so depending on how many people are in a state that helps determine how many representatives are going to go to the U S Congress to represent that state here in Tennessee, we have nine, we have nine representatives in Congress right now representing our state. All right. So I'm hoping that this is making a little bit of sense for you guys today, but this is why we are a Republic and not a democracy. This is why it's so important for us to hang on to the way that the Constitution is structured and why so many of us are fighting so hard to not let the Democrat Party right now change it. 
a lot of the Democrats are pushing for a removal of the Electoral College and they want to just go to popular vote. But again, as I put this map up and show you guys, it doesn't make sense for us to go to the popular vote when it wouldn't be fair. I mean, you, it's just common sense. You can look at this and see that it, it wouldn't be fair for that to happen. Okay. So we're a republic because we have representatives that go on our behalf, certain numbers for each state. They go into Congress and represent us. Now, when we're looking at the state level, the state level works a little bit. Well, it's similar, but it works a little bit differently. So um, at the state level, we don't call it the Congress here. We typically refer to it as the state general assembly. Okay. So when you hear somebody say congressman, such and such, that's typically going to be talking about a U.S. congressman, somebody who's serving in Washington. At the state level, we call them either a senator or we call them a representative. So in my case, I'm running for House of Representatives, so I would be representative Canada. Um, but these are little things that <laughs> I think a lot of us take for granted that we know, and a lot of us just don't know, and it's okay. The a legislator is a lawmaker. The, legis the legislature is the body of lawmakers that we're talking about. So if I wanted to talk about a legislator, I would use someone's name. But if I was talking about the legislature, that would be the whole body. So in this case, it might be Congress I'm talking about at the U.S. level, or it would be the General Assembly if I'm talking about it at the state level. Now, our state senators here in Tennessee serve four-year terms. Okay, so every four years, as opposed to that U.S. level I was talking about, um, they, they serve different terms. So the U.S. level serves six-year terms. Here at the state level in Tennessee, they serve four-year terms. Um, representatives are the same whether they're here in Tennessee or whether they're at the U.S. level. They all serve two-year terms there. All right, so I'm hoping that clears that up a little bit for you. Now, I want to go into a little bit deeper information. Um, these are some things that, that I just didn't know when I came in. You know, our General Assembly is uh, it's a beautiful place. Uh, here's a picture of our Tennessee. Um, this is the where majority of, uh, well, this is where all of our representatives work when they're in, in session. This is our um, chamber for the House of Representatives here. And something that I didn't know when I started going up and visiting the Capitol more and more is that uh, you it, not only can you reach out and talk with your representatives, but you should <laughs> and they want to hear from you. Uh, the, the House of Representatives is more of kind of a uh, they, they pay a little bit more attention to the people in their districts because they're more connected. They serve fewer people than the senators do. So the representatives typically have a district of around 64, 65,000 people on average. And so they can be very connected to the people in their district. These are the ones who vote for them, even though they go into the state general assembly and they represent all of us in Tennessee, they're still accountable to their particular district. So it's manageable numbers. So about 64,000 people per representative in uh, the state house is the average. When I just ran here, I think mine came in somewhere around 55, 58, something like that thousand that I would have represented in my district. Okay, we have 99 representatives in that chamber, that house I just showed you. Let me show you again. We have 99 representatives that serve here because they represent the 99 districts in Tennessee. Now, 
we have 95 counties. Okay, but because some of the counties are a little bit bigger than others, we, we added more people. So we have 99 total representatives that serve in our state house. Um, by contrast, in our state Senate, we have uh, 33, I believe it is, 32 or 33 senators that serve here in, at the state level. Now, I want to go ahead and show you our district map for just a sec here. Um, this will shed a little bit of light on how this is broken out. So every county, like I said, we have 95 counties and each county is kind of divided up into a district. And so when we're when we're talking about reaching out to your representative, they're going to represent the area of Tennessee where you live. Now, again, I'm talking about at the state level. So we have 99 representatives. And if you want to find out who yours is, then it's really easy to do. You can go on the uh, General Assembly's website, this one here. And you can see where it says, find my legislator. And all you've got to do is type in your address there. And it'll pull up exactly who your representative is. And you can also go um, on the, uh, the Capitol website, which is um, listed right here. And uh, you can get their phone number and you can call them up. And basically what you're wanting to do when you call them is you're, you're wanting to follow what laws are being passed and let them know your opinion on it. Let them know how you feel about it. If there's something being passed that you don't agree with or something that you want to see passed that's not on the docket yet, that's not on the, that they haven't presented a bill for that yet, you can raise your hand as a citizen and say, hey, I have an opinion about this or hey, I've got an idea or a suggestion. And not only, again, should you, um, is it okay for you to reach out to them? But you should, you should reach out to them. All right. So looking at a couple of y'all's comments. Hey, Cherie. Hey, Brian. Good to see you guys here. Um, doing my best here to decode some politics today. All right. Now, right now, um, some of you might be wondering where things stand in, uh, you know, numerically in our Tennessee General Assembly. And that's a really good question. By and large, Nashville, although Nashville, which is where I'm at, is a very democratic city. As a state, we are a very red Republican state. And so right now, currently in our state General Assembly, our state legislature, we have um, what we call the super majority in that legislature. So um, and when it comes to the Republicans that are serving right now in the House of Representatives, it's 73 Republicans to 26 Democrats. So we we pretty much have the, the megaphone right now in our House of Representatives. In our uh, Senate, our state Senate here, it's 27 to 6, 27 Republicans to six Democrat senators. So we are able to definitely um, put forward the will of the people here in Tennessee because we hold uh, we hold the loudest voice in both chambers right now. And we're trying to certainly hang on to that. Um, we do want some, you know, you do want representation. We don't ever want a one party rule, whether it's at the state level or the U.S. level. That's not healthy for anybody. And again, this is why we're trying so hard to keep our Constitution intact. Our founding fathers were so brilliant in how they pieced together our government setup. 
it was done with what we call checks and balances because we never wanted one party or one person to ever have too much power. So we have these separations of power on purpose to keep everybody accountable, keep everybody in check. And it's really important that we maintain that. And again, this is why we're fighting so hard as Republicans because we see the, the, the Democrat party trying really hard to unravel it and we just can't let it happen. It's not good for, it's not good for us right now, but it's not good for them later when the Republicans are back in power. So we've got to maintain the integrity of the constitution. All right. Now where we're at right now at the U S level, I know some of you might be wondering that um, at the U S level, we have a grand total of a hundred U S senators. Our senators from Tennessee are Marsha Blackburn and Bill Haggerty. Probably remember a lot of those races that were very spirited <laughs> on the campaign trail this year. Um, the runoff races that were in Georgia were very important. And the reason why is because again, we want that balance of power in Congress and we now have a tie. We basically have a tie in the U S Senate. So it's for out of the hundred senators that we have, we have 50, we actually have 48 Democrats, two independents that side with or caucus with Democrats. And then we have 50 Republicans. So what do we do when there's a tie? You know, we, we have some legislation and we can't, we can't get a majority on either side. What happens now is our vice president, our new vice president, Kamala Harris will be the tiebreaker. All right. And this is what we were fighting so hard for um, to, to prevent because now with them having a Democrat president, Democrat majority in the U.S. House of Representatives out of 435, I believe uh, the large majority of them, I'm looking for my number here, but out of 435 that are in the House, um, the large majority of them are Democrat. And then now they have the majority in the Senate, or at least uh, a tie in the Senate with, with them having the Kamala Harris uh, tiebreaker, they've got the majority there too. So now if they want to do something like change the constitution um, or, you know, stack the courts, all these things we've been talking about, they're going to have a lot easier way of pushing that through. Um, and our, we're going to really be depending on our Republican senators and representatives to hold the line and, and fight back. And this is where you come in. You can call them. You can call them up and tell them how you feel, call their offices. I know a lot of us are intimidated to do that, but they work for you. <laughs> okay. When I go in uh, to the legislature, I will work for you. And I, I expect you to call me and tell me how you're feeling about things. Um, this is how we, this is how we stay accountable. And this is how we prevent, um, we prevent our government from running away with us. All right. So let's move on a little bit because I don't want to spend too much time here. I know y'all's time is valuable today, but I appreciate you listening. So here's what we're going to do next. I want to show you guys um, that congressional map again. And when we're looking at this, uh, remember I was telling you about the electoral votes. Now keep in mind, this only comes into play when we're talking about the presidential election. Okay. At the local level, at the local level, we don't have electors. At the local level, when you go to vote for your state representative or your state senator or your mayor or whatever it might be, your votes count directly in those races. We don't have somebody who's going to go and represent you on the vote. Um, but when it comes to the presidential, that's where the electors come into play. So this is why these states have some of these states have more. OK, and 
that's also why that's also why California and Texas and Pennsylvania and a lot of these states were so key and so important because they have a large majority of these electors. And so the popular vote in that state in order to give to the elector to then carry on to the U.S. level was so, so critically important. All right. And, and the Electoral College, most states have a kind of winner takes all mentality um, or winner takes all process. Uh, there are only two states that don't work like that, and that's Maine and Nebraska. They're a little bit different in how they operate, but majority of them are they're going to go with. OK, like let's just say in Tennessee, just to kind of give you an example. So here in Tennessee, if, you know, 80 percent of Tennesseans want Trump in the presidency, or a Republican in the presidency and only 20 percent, you know, want the Democrat, then the electors are going to go to Washington and they're going to say, OK, we're voting Republican. Tennessee is voting Republican and all those electors fall in line with that. So that's how it basically works. This is why January 6th was so important, by the way. This is why there was so much coverage around that, because January 6th is when Mike Pence was presiding um, over Congress. And when he opened the electoral votes to count them, um, that was the official kind of the formality for finalizing the election process. And in this particular case, we had, because people had so much concern over the voter fraud, they were not satisfied with the original electors. And so they basically sent a second slate of electors and they wanted that to be considered. That's why we wanted those that evidence to be presented. And that's why we wanted debates going on in Congress. Well, when the pseudo riot happened um, and they basically decided they weren't going to hear any of the debates, any of the evidence, Pence just went along with the first slate of electors and went ahead and certified the election. And that's why everybody is so up in arms now, because they feel like their voices weren't heard from their states, that their electors did not um, get a say in that and how that all went down. All right. So a lot of them feel betrayed by their by their Republican senators and representatives uh, because they felt like they went along with it and didn't fight hard enough. All right. So however you feel on that, that's why everybody's mad. <laughs> OK. Uh, all right. So uh, let's see. OK, I'm I'm seeing uh, Cherie's little mama. Hello. Thanks for joining us. How are you guys doing? Uh, OK, so moving on to our founding values. All right. It is so important for us to understand how this all relates back to our founding values. And I, I touched on it a minute ago that our founding fathers were so brilliant in how they set up our government. They did everything that they could to make sure that it was fair and that it remained fair. Um, I think it was Benjamin Franklin. One of them actually made a comment um, when they came out of the room from putting from literally designing the government. One of them asked, they said, so do we have a democracy or a republic? And he said, well, we have a republic for as long as you can keep it. So it is our goal to maintain the integrity of the Constitution and to maintain our republic. And like I said, they were so brilliant. I'm going to show you all this graphic of how these judicial or how these branches of government break down. So we have the legislative branch, OK, which is Congress and the Senate and all of that. Then we have the executive branch, kind of the white collar branch, if you will. That's the president, the vice president and the cabinet. And the cabinet. I didn't understand that for the longest time. The cabinet is going to be like your, you know, your secretary of state, your secretary of defense, your, you know, all of the secretary of are going to fall under that executive branch there. And then under the judicial branch, that's where we have the Supreme Court and the other federal courts. 
Okay, so this was very, very intentional to have this separation of powers so that nobody gets out of line. There's usually if, if one power is trying to, you know, kind of go off the rails then the other one, the other two actually have the opportunity to come in and kind of course correct our country. And uh, we want to maintain that. So it's so important that we understand our founding values so that we know how to adhere to them and to understand that altering that process is dangerous for all of us on a multitude of levels, which we will cover in subsequent shows. All right. We don't want any one party, whether it's Democrat or Republican, this goes for the Republicans too. We don't want them getting too much power either. It's not healthy for our country. Um, we've got to keep it intact. All right. So what can you do? That's always the question. What can you do to make sure that we're using our voice and that we're being heard by our lawmakers. All right. One thing I want you to consider is taking an online course at Hillsdale College to really, really get an understanding of the Constitution. Um, I'll show you this here. This is uh, Hillsdale College, and I'm going to put up the website for you here, online.hillsdale.edu. I cannot tell you guys how well done these courses are online and they are free. They're absolutely 100% free. You can go on there and you can choose any of these courses like the Constitution 101 um, explaining how Congress works. There's a there's a plethora of courses on here that you can take for free. You'll have certificates when you're finished um, after you do some testing. And you will feel so much more empowered when you really get a good sense of how our country is designed. And again, I'm going to do my best to break it down for you into simplified terms here, but that's going to give you a much more comprehensive view. And uh, so that's one thing that you can do right now. Go on to Hillsdale College. Let me put this link up again, online.hillsdale.edu and sign up and just start taking some of these courses and uh, see if it doesn't really empower you. All right. Um, share it with friends too. I mean, I think it's so important that we share this information that we're getting. And, you know, it's Hillsdale, I should mention as well as one of the very few self-funded colleges. They don't take any government money. So they don't have to water down their curriculum. They don't have to, you know, appease anybody. They don't have um, unions to answer to anything like that. They are completely self sufficient and they're teaching patriotism and they're really helping to return uh, and teach young people now, but helping to return a lot of Americans back to that patriotism. So again, I just couldn't recommend them highly enough. All right. So that's what you can do right now today to start educating yourself. Share this video. Um, come back and, you know, listen to it again. I, I hope I explained everything. OK. And I'm going to continue to do these more educational type videos throughout the week. We're going to have guests popping in and out, uh, but I, it's really important to me that um, that you guys understand and that, like I said, you're able to talk it off and uh, and share with friends and family intelligently as we're trying to get our country back. We're trying to make sure it doesn't go any further <laughs> off uh, the rails that it already has gone. and We can start bringing everything back to our founding values. All right. Uh, got a couple of comments here. I'm going to put up. So Brian saying a majority rule method of voting would ensure no presidential candidate would campaign outside of the major urban centers. Again, yeah, good point. And uh, 
let's see, Mr. Garrett's on here. He says, Brian, you're partially correct. <laughs> Actual number of electoral votes per state is the number of representatives plus the number of senators for each state. Yes, that's correct. Uh, so yeah, and Brian's saying you're correct. Yeah, you're right. It, that's true. So our electors, um, we get the same number of electors that we have as number of representatives plus two senators. Uh, that electoral uh, that electoral map that I put up, let me put it up again to show you. So this number for each state represents how many state rep or U.S. representatives we have plus two senators. All right. Hope that's been helpful for you guys today. I'm actually coming in under 30 minutes today. And uh, I appreciate you being with me. I'll see you back here tomorrow at three o'clock sharp. You guys go and have yourself a great first day of February. All right. Bye-bye, guys.